And it is time for midday on the 18th day of November. It's officially 1130. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for making us a part of your day, wherever you may be listening. Could see record highs across much of our region. Already 70s in the eastern region of the uh, Colorado area. Upper 60s in a couple of areas here in Nebraska and down in Kansas. And going to be a beautiful day overall. Well, we have a busy one at that, so let's get started and let's turn over to Susan Littlefield to give us a preview of our featured interviews this afternoon. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. We'll kick everything off at 1219. As we look more at Nebraska, it's an upcoming cattle show that'll take place the month of January. Then Alex will step in at 1245 as UNL is offering $100,000 in grants to host communities that take part in the 2021 Rural Fellows Program. She'll have more on that. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117, a discussion a lot of folks don't want to have. And that's our mental health. That's the coming up on this Wednesday from the farm team. Sounds like it should be some uh, solid information coming up here in just a little bit. Let's turn over to sports. Of course, uh, not a lot going on right this moment. Today in particular, we do have the NBA draft. But other than that, really looking forward to this weekend. Jason, what do you have? Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, the Big Ten preseason media basketball poll is out. And Illinois is the preseason favorite. They picked up 16 first-place votes. Iowa comes in second. For the Huskers, even though it looks like head coach Fred Hoiberg has really changed around the roster and added some talented pieces, they're predicted to finish 13th. The preseason player of the year is Iowa's Luke Garza. UNK women and men begin their season tomorrow night at home against Emporia State. The Loper women, who were very good a year ago, return every player from last year's squad. Get the thoughts of head coach Kerry Amy about that. Big night of the NBA as the NBA draft is set for tonight. The Minnesota Timberwolves, they are on the clock. And Iowa State says only families and guests of athletes and staff will be allowed to attend the Cyclones football game against Kansas State this Saturday. All of that and much more is just ahead next hour on sports. All right. Thank you very much, Jason. Sure appreciate that. Well, let's turn over to Bob Brogan. Stocks uh, up and down a little bit so far. Uh, what, what are you seeing uh, so far this uh, early morning? Stocks drifting close to their record highs uh, as the hopes for a coronavirus vaccine uh, coming in the future are uh, up against worries about the uh, pandemic in the present. Meanwhile, Pfizer and BioNTech reported updated data suggesting its potential COVID-19 vaccine may be 95% effective. And so that's pretty good news. Uh, That's spurring the market. After nearly two years and a couple of deadly crashes, the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration is clearing Boeing 737 MAX for flight. And so some folks will be able to ride a 737 once again. Home construction rose 4.9% in October as home building remains one of the bright spots of the economy. And uh, Target is the uh, latest U.S. discount retailer to show that it's prospering during the pandemic. That's another uh, type of thing. Walmart, of course, has already come out and said that uh, it was doing better. Also, Walmart uh, reporting that it's having trouble keeping some things on the shelves, and some people are apparently uh, taking more than they should, and and uh, so they're looking into that situation. So those detail, those stories and more coming up on the business news. Okay, thank you very much. I sure appreciate that. All of that coming up here in the next hour and a half. Though, let's turn it over now to Clay Patton. 
Time for a regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Rinky dealer. I'm Tyler Cavalli. Paul Perkins has now stepped back in the studio. And, well, Paul, it seems like uh, in certain locations it might be a spring-like afternoon. Yes, uh, expecting some near-record highs today, a dome of high pressure moving overhead, and whenever you get that in the summertime or this time of year, it means ultra-warm temperatures, and we're going to get a good taste of it for today and tomorrow. I'm not sure anybody's complaining about that, especially this time of year. (laughs) We will take it. 70s right now in eastern Colorado. Listen, it's only 1044 there in the mountain time. I mean, goodness gracious. We could see 80s, possibly? I went, I went down a few locations, especially over southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and northeast Colorado. Definitely en route to seeing some highs uh, near the 80-degree mark because, well... Uh, uh, Goodland, Kansas, I know their mm-hmm. forecast high into northwest Kansas expected to top out in the mid-80s for wow. today. Wow, mid-80s <laughs> here on November 18th. Uh, crazy stuff. Also, the, the positive thing about today, not only is it warming up, but the winds aren't going to be as nasty either. Exactly. Uh, the last couple of days, the winds have been a bit on the breezy side, but today we're going to get the heat and some mm. fairly light winds, so very, very nice weather on the way. And that'll also help to keep the fire danger down, too. Take advantage of it. You bet. Right now, some patchy clouds over central and east areas of Nebraska and Kansas. Those clouds in advance of a trough of low pressure. Be, once that trough of low pressure moves through, you will see a lot more sunshine and also those westerly downslope winds and the sunshine really warm the temperatures up. Those clouds currently along an east East of a line from about Ainsworth to the Lexington area to Norton and points off towards the east, but a lot more sunshine as you head towards the west. Temperatures in many areas in the mid-50s to right around 60. Still some cooler temperatures over southwest Nebraska into north, uh, uh, west central Nebraska into north southwest Nebraska where temperatures are closer to around 50. But we're actually expecting to see our warmer temperatures in Nebraska in those areas today where we're seeing only temperatures currently around the 50-degree mark. Once this clearing takes a hold, we will see some rapid warming for today, thanks to some westerly downslope winds. A ridge of high pressure overhead today, leaving us with some sunshine and those near-record warm highs. Afternoon winds will decrease with the approach of that trough of low pressure that moves through the region. A cold front will push south for tomorrow. Fairly light winds will limit the push of the cooler air with that front, so daytime highs will still reach into the 70s. Now behind that front, temperatures on Friday back to near seasonal levels, also an increase in cloud cover because we do have some low pressure starting to get closer. That area of low pressure will bring us a good chance of precipitation by Friday night into Saturday morning. Not going to be a big player in our weather as far as any winter weather goes. A mostly cold rain is expected for Saturday when most of the precipitation falls during the day and temperatures are above freezing. A brief bout of snow is possible, especially in western areas. Light snow also possible Saturday night into Sunday morning region-wide when that system starts to wind down and the colder air arrives on the backside. Total precipitation should range between a quarter to three quarters of an inch. Definitely would help when settling some dust. In our long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and into the central and eastern U.S. for Monday through the 1st of December. In fact, there are forecast models indicating above normal temperatures will last into at least the first week of December. During late November, average central Nebraska daytime highs are in the mid to upper 40s with average overnight lows in the low 20s. 
The long term looks mainly dry with below normal precipitation indicated for Monday through the first day of December for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. In the markets, weather factors include a concerning rain forecast in Brazil and Argentina and also mixed rain chances for the southern plains. In the U.S. by Saturday, storminess will reach the central plains. Precipitation will then overspread parts of the Mid-South and Midwest by Sunday. Much of the U.S. will experience the arrival or continuation of above-normal temperatures. Southern Plains wheat areas will be windy and dry the next three days. The dry weather may force wheat in sectors with limited moisture to go into dormancy. Periods of rain are forecast five to seven days from now, but most of that rain will fall in central and south-central areas of the Southern Plains. Brazil crop areas continue to have sharp differences in chances for rain this next week. Moderate to heavy rain totals are expected in northern areas, but only light amounts are forecast for central and southern Brazil. Dry conditions delayed the soybean planting by up to a month, and there is a high concern over a lack of soil moisture for development of soybeans for Brazil. Argentina expects light to moderate rain the next seven days. Dryness concerns are high in the primary central crop areas. Concerns are enhanced by a well-established La Nina weather pattern. Did I hear at one point, maybe I just misheard this, that it was supposed to be a wet winter? I know we're not at winter yet, technically, but uh, we're just talking that we're going to see possibly above normal temperatures for early December. Exactly. It looks like for for the winter months, overall, we're expecting near normal precipitation. We're going to see some systems come in from the northwest. Not a whole lot of stuff coming out of the southwest, which is when we really get a serious uh, winter storm. But thanks to this La Nina pattern, it's forcing a lot of the storminess Mm. up and away from us. So we'll just see these systems drop southeast, some quick-moving systems dropping some light, mainly light amounts of snow over the uh, the winter months here. Now with this La Nina, can things change quickly like we have seen the last couple of weeks? Cold, hot, cold, hot, and more precipitation? Exactly, yeah. uh, With the La Nina pattern in our area for our weather, usually we'll see quick uh, big changes in up and down temperatures. So, yeah, it could be very warm one day and then drastically cold the next. But overall, the next few weeks, though, going to be warmer than normal. Okay. All right. Uh, for uh, a near future forecast, if somebody was interested, where could they find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much. District. The Nebraskan kicks off on January 9th and runs during the month of January at Fawner Park Campus in Grand Island. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's an opportunity for cattlemen from across the country who may have been headed to Colorado to get the chance to show in a state-of-the-art facility. And Bill Angel said that that has been a big draw for exhibitors. That's exactly right. That's that's what we're hearing from a lot of people and you know, they've never gone to Denver. There's a lot of people don't like to go to Denver. It's, it's too big. Uh, you know, the traffic is horrible. Uh, you know, but, and there's a lot of commercial guys that don't like to go to Denver. So we're, we're expecting, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the cattle that showed in the yards in Denver, uh, are from the north anyway, the Dakotas, Minnesota. Iowa, Nebraska, um, Montana, Colorado, Wyoming. And so we're, we're getting a lot of interest in our pen shows. Um, and, and then of course we have, uh, the Angus, uh, open show will be an ROV point show. The Herefords will be a regional point show. Uh, the Charlay show will be a, a an ROE show. 
And so uh, these these breeds have um, they've split their their you know alliance going to uh, Oklahoma City and then supporting us here. So uh, in the way the schedule lies out, uh, they can actually go to show at Oklahoma City uh, because that starts a week early. They start on the second, so those breeds can go down there show down there and then they can uh come up to the grand island and and show here too so uh it's no different than going from denver to fort worth uh, they'll be able to go to oklahoma city and then come up here and uh, have a great experience did i read on the schedule right um there's going to be a, a yak seminar <laughs> yes we actually have uh, yaks coming in they're going to have a pen show, uh, a halter show, and then some seminars. And uh, so, according to to the gal that's that's kind of heading up the yak thing, she's pretty sure they're going to be a pretty good number of yaks that that show up here for the for the last go. And and so that's going to kind of be interesting. They they've had a yak show in Denver for several years, and and so we're we're happy to to host it here and. And they're looking forward to coming. Well, I think it just it's hats off to you guys because when word came out, it didn't take long. You guys had something put together. But the fact that there's so many national sales and, and shows that are going to be taking place during this time in Nebraska is is amazing. Yeah, we, I mean, we feel we feel good about that. Um, and, and really, the, the national shows are divided. You know, there's. Uh, some of the national shows are going to be in Oklahoma City, and some of them are going to be here. Uh, we're going to have a large Simmental uh, sale here. Actually, two sales, the the live sale and then the uh, Sim Magic on Ice uh, sale, which is embryos and, and flushes and things like that. So we have both of those sales. We have the National Solaire sale. And Bill said the All-American Angus Sale also will be taking place in January. Comments with Bill Angel on The Nebraskan. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, the Big Ten preseason media basketball poll is out, and Illinois has picked up 16 first-place votes. They're the overwhelming favorite to win it all. Iowa's expected to have a big year. The Hawkeyes picked up six first-place votes. Nebraska comes in 13th. Northwestern is 14th. And preseason player of the year is Iowa's Luca Garza. Well, UNK is scheduled to begin the basketball season at home tomorrow night against Emporia State. Loper women won 26 games a year ago and returned all 15 players from that squad. And head coach Carrie Amy says that is a little different. Yeah, you know, this is the first time ever, um, I think ever since I've played, um, that I've brought an entire team back without a single person, um, you know, missing from the the previous roster. Um, You know, and I think we made a lot of progress last year, and, and yet... Uh, this group still feels like they've got a lot more to get done. And Now, tomorrow's matchup against Emporia State is one between the top two teams in the MIAA preseason poll. Tip-off is set for 5.30 with the women's game, men's game at 7.30. We will bring you those two games on 93.1 The River and 106.9 FM in and around Kearney. 
The NBA draft finally arrives tonight. Players such as Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, and James Wiseman should be about a month into their rookie seasons by now. Instead, the draft was delayed multiple times from its usual June spot because of the coronavirus pandemic. That also prevented college players from making a final impression during March Madness, and it limited the way teams could evaluate players. Perhaps that's why there's no number one consensus pick. Minnesota Timberwolves have the top pick. Iowa State says only families and guests of athletes and staff will be allowed to attend the Cyclones football game against Kansas State on Saturday. They'll also use that procedure for men's and women's basketball throughout the month of November. Now the marching band and spirit squad will still be allowed to attend football game. And the Nebraska Golf Association is proud to announce the selection of Omaha's Andy Sajovic at this year's as this year's Nebraska Amateur Golfer of the Year. The 30-year-old Sajovic is now a three-time Nebraska Amateur Golfer of the Year, having also won the award in 2010 and 2013. That's a look at sports. For more, you can find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. weather that comes with the winter months ahead, so does needing to know the risks of being outside for prolonged periods of time. Lexington Volunteer Fire Department's Carrie Teeter offers tips on how to stay safe when outside in frigid temps this winter. When you're outside, uh, you need to make sure that you take precautions to keep your skin covered because you can get frostbite. You also uh, need to make sure that if you're outside when the weather is cold, limit how much time you're out there because of wind chills makes the temperature even worse. And if you're outside shoveling snow or anything like that, especially the elderly, make sure that you do some stretches to kind of warm your muscles up. Along with frigid temps is also the potential for ice. Be sure to salt sidewalks and driveways to prevent slipping on the ice. More Nebraska cities are passing mask mandates as the number of virus cases continues to surge across the state, but Republican Governor Pete Ricketts continues to reject the idea of a statewide mask mandate. Carney and Beatrice passed mask requirements Tuesday to join Lincoln and Omaha as Nebraska cities that require citizens to wear masks. Several other cities, including Grand Island and Hastings, are also considering mask rules. Nebraska continues to have the sixth highest rate of new cases in the country. Over the past week, one out of every 120 people in the state has been diagnosed with COVID-19. A second person has died from injuries received in a southeastern Nebraska house fire last month. Beatrice radio station KWBE reports that 20-year-old Tyler Reed of Philly died in a Lincoln hospital Sunday more than three weeks after the October 24th fire in Philly that also killed 20-year-old Courtney Knepp of Beatrice. A third person, 21-year-old Jaden McGuire of Philly, also was critically injured in the fire. Knepp died at the scene of the fire. Reed and McGuire were found outside the burning home and taken to a Lincoln burn unit with critical injuries. The state fire marshal agency had earlier confirmed that a propane leak caused the fire. The Nebraska Game and Parks Commission will release rooster pheasants on 16 wildlife management areas prior to the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, including the areas of Sherman Reservoir, Pressy Park in Custer County, and Cornhusker in Hall County. To view a map of the pheasant release sites, visit OutdoorNebraska.org backslash Upland. The pheasants will be released to enhance hunting opportunities over the Thanksgiving weekend and encourage families to spend time together in the field. Nebraska pheasant quail and prairie grouse seasons run through january 31st 2021 
You can find more news at krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. With the return of Nebraska football, that means Husker Chat with Sean Callahan, the publisher of HuskerOnline.com, is back. Join us each Thursday as we break down the Huskers' season with one of the true experts on Nebraska football. And it's all brought to you by Newcomb Diesel of Carney. You can catch the show at 540 on Thursday afternoons on 880-KRVN or watch the show each week on the KRVN YouTube channel. That's Husker Chat, brought to you by Newcomb Diesel of Kearney, each Thursday at 540 from KRVN Sports. There's now $100,000 available in grants for host communities who are taking part in the 2021 Rural Fellows Program. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and today we're joined by Dr. Helen Fagan. She is an assistant professor of practice in the Department of Ag Leadership, Education, and Communication at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Dr. Fagan, thanks so much for being with us today. First of all, tell us a little bit more about the Rural Fellows Program and what it is. Sure. The Rural Fellows Program actually started back in 2013 with a competitive award. A group of faculty and staff from University of Nebraska created what was then called the Service Ship Program. And Service Ship is short for service learning and paid internship. And it was so popular that we elevated it to the Fellows Program by providing training and development for students as well as community leaders in the area of inclusive leadership and inclusive communities. And so the idea is that students are matched up with rural community leaders and they are working on rural community projects that that community has identified. Students and teams of two move into the community after they go through the training with the community leader and then they work on these identified projects for 10 weeks. Um, and sometimes the projects that they get done are beyond anything that the community leaders had anticipated because they may have come up with one or two ideas and the students get done eight to 10 things. And so fast forward a handful of years as this program has progressed, um, now you're offering some grants to help uh, propel and get university students involved. Tell us a little bit more about these grants. Absolutely. The grants are intended to help offset the cost for communities. So each student is getting a stipend of $5,000 for working those 400 hours and living in the community. The community also provides housing and so whatever the cost that the community is incurring, $2,000 per student, um, that cost is being offset by that grant. And so we're giving, um, we want to see new communities who have never done this before participate. So they're getting the priority. And then other communities who um, have done it before, you know, it's basically a first come, first serve. So the sooner the community gets their application in, the more likely they are to be able to participate and get take advantage of these $4,000, which basically for two students, we say um, budget around 12000 So that takes that ticket price from 12000 down to 8000 for the community, which is really good. So Dr. Fagan, for those who are listening, uh, maybe community leaders who are interested in taking part, Give us an idea of what projects these students are doing and why it's really important that they're in these rural communities across the state. Of course. 
the reason we want students in rural communities across the state is because we want them to get real life experience working alongside community leaders. But most importantly, we want them to experience rural life. Rural life is wonderful. It has so many benefits to it. And students can have the opportunity at a young age to be able to stand up in front of city council or come up with ideas to help with workforce development. They can get some really, some really great things done in the community that they probably wouldn't have the opportunity to do in any other communities um, just because of the size and the scope of the work that they get involved in. So the kinds of projects the students have done has been everything from business development, marketing, tourism, mental health, entrepreneurship, workforce development, community development. Some, you know, we've had some communities that have even used the work of the students to apply and facilitate the um, use of LB840 money, the tax monies, and so they've been able to get that passed in that community. So the projects are really as um, they're endless. I mean, it's whatever the community feels like they need that would help them to succeed, we are able to match them with students. Absolutely. And you mentioned that these grants are to place university students, but if I understand this correctly, it can be any college student to apply for the Rural Fellows Program, right? Correct. Any college student from anywhere can apply for these programs. And the University of Nebraska has brought the monies and has said, we want to support University of Nebraska students to get placed. And so University of Nebraska students are getting an additional benefit as a result of this. But this opportunity is open to any student, undergraduate, graduate, from a community college, from any program anywhere. Well, Dr. Fagan, as we round out this conversation, what's the best way to learn more about the Rural Fellows Program and also these grants that are available? The absolute best way would be to go to the Rural Prosperity Nebraska website. That is where you're going to find information about the Fellows Program. You can watch some of the videos from previous community leaders as well as students and see additional kinds of projects. You can look at the application. You can also complete the application online. And so that is the best way that I can guide you. All right. Great information as always. Thanks so much, Dr. Fagan. That again is Dr. Helen Fagan. She is an assistant professor of practice in the Department of Ag Leadership, Education and Communication at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, as there are now $100,000 in grants available for host communities who are going to take part in the 2021 Rural Fellows Program. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With Business Report, I'm Bob Bergen. U.S. stock indexes are drifting close to their record highs today. As hopes for a coronavirus vaccine coming in the future push some investors to look past the worsening pandemic in the present, the S&P 500 was two-tenths of a percent higher in afternoon trading after Pfizer and BioNTech reported updated data suggesting their potential COVID-19 vaccine may be 95% effective. Despite the modest moves for indexes, optimism was apparent across the market. The majority of stocks across Wall Street were rising. Companies that would benefit most from a healing, reopening economy were leading the way, such as airlines and banks. 
After nearly two years and a pair of deadly crashes, the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration is clearing Boeing's 737 MAX for flight. The nation's air safety agency announced the move early today, saying it was done after a comprehensive and methodical 20-month review process. Regulators around the world grounded the MAX in March 2019 after the crash of an Ethiopian Airlines jet. That happened less than five months after another MAX flown by Indonesia's Lion Air plunged into the Java Sea. A total of 346 passengers and crew members on both planes were killed. Home construction rose 4.9% in October as home building remains one of the bright spots of the economy. The increase pushed home construction to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.53 million homes and apartments and followed a more modest gain of 1.9% in September. Target is the latest big U.S. discount retailer to show that it's prospering during the pandemic. The Minneapolis-based discounter reported today that its online sales surged 155% in the three months that ended October 31st. Sales at its stores opened for at least a year were up 10%, customer traffic rose 4.5%, and average dollars spent rose nearly 16%. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Ro- Mental health. It's not something everybody likes to talk about, especially when it comes to what's happening within your operation, what's happening within your family, what's happening within you. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Underway is the National Association of Farm Broadcasting's annual convention. This year, like everything else, we've gone to a virtual platform. But during this platform, we've had the opportunity to look at mental health. Jeff Ditzenberger has been involved in agriculture his entire life, growing up in a small dairy operation in South Wayne, Indiana. He talked about mental health and, and what we can do. One of the things that I do, and I just want to throw this out very quick, when one of the things that I do that I started a long time ago, and originally was with text messaging, but now I do it with Snapchat, is I used to send out 20 Snapchats a day to random friends. And just something, you know, like, hey, have a good day, or... You know, now I, I find an inspirational saying and, and, you know, and send that out. And when I was doing that, I was getting a 55 to 65% response rate of almost the same thing. I needed to hear that. Now I have 140 people that require me to do it every single day. And I still do it to my, I still do it to 20, to 20 random people. And I'm getting almost an 80% response rate right now. Of, oh, I needed to hear that. Or I knew someone, or I know someone who needs to hear that or, or the number of screen shares that I see in, in screenshots and stuff like that. And, and we can be too positive too. There's a, there's a, there's a thing out there called toxic positivity. You know, it doesn't always have to be sunshines and rainbows. We can tell people it's okay to have a bad day. We can tell people that, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And it's just, what is it, Pam? It's just a bad day. It's not a bad life. And, and remind them that there, there are people out there that will listen to them. And listening is important. Our society has been trained. I think too much to listen to respond and we just need to listen to listen and if they identify with the farm you know i'm looking at it with with the guy that i farm with you know there's talk about possibly because of his age and stuff in a year or two we might not be doing that anymore you know we actually started down here when people were losing the farms here a couple years ago we started building those skills for those farmers we started bringing them in and teach them how to fill out a resume teach them how to, to to do a cover letter do that kind of stuff so we can bridge that gap. We can bridge that gap and tell them that just because they're fifth generation or sixth generation, I don't care if it's second generation, it's not their fault. It's circumstances behind it. And and, and that, I, I think, definitely helps. But my biggest thing, folks, that the one thing I want you to take 
on this whole thing is that reach out to people. And Jeff said the biggest thing we can do right now is something as simple as communicate. Reach out to your core group and then, you know, let's throw a pebble in the water and let that water ripple and reach out to those people outside of that ripple and just say, hey, I was thinking about you, wondering how you're doing. You know, put a mask on and go to your neighbors if they let you come on the farm for crying out loud. But we have to communicate. We have to ask. We have to have some of these hard conversations because honestly, folks, the hard conversations in life are much better than the hard conversations at a funeral. Some heavy stuff. And then the question came up during our newsmaker, who handles this stress better? A lot of the families that I talk to, wives, the wives that work off the farm or the, the, the guys that work off the farm will say, that was my sanctuary. That was my time away to kind of regroup, to, to deal with the stresses that I would deal with when I would come back home. And then we'd send the kids to school and we, you know, and we would have some time, you know, as a, as a husband and wife to, to talk. And it's, and it's not even the husbands and wives all together, partners, like if it's a brother, father, son, you know, there's so many different dynamics that we have here. And he stressed it's important to check in on all those dynamics of the operation. That's Jeff Ditzenberger. I'm Susan Littlefield, World Radio Network. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, looking at the grain settlements as they come across my screen, soybeans still having an impressive day, but it looks like we failed at that 1180 price level. Yeah, so if you look at the front month contracts here, uh, November spiked up to, into the 80s at one point and then kind of failed. So you have a little bit of a damage on that front month contract chart. But, I mean, all in all here, it's it's, a, it's an up market that's going to give you, you know, a few chances to get in. So if you're a bull, you know, any break you're getting here, you're buying a pullback on. If you're if you're bearish, I think I think still think you wait closer to like 11.50 on the January contract. But I'm, I'm hard-pressed to even want to trade that because it's pretty close to delivery. you got about you know, six weeks ago, and I'd rather, you know, hold something a little more long-term here in, uh, you know, the deferred contracts, like maybe even the July, which is down, you know, somewhat cheaper than the May. You know, you're talking about that first notice day coming up very quickly, but on expiration, on options side, especially in that corn, we're going into Friday on that December contract. Does that signal anything to you? Well, yeah, I mean, so if you've sold, if you sold corn ahead, you're underwater. So if any point in this contract, time period on the December futures, you've, you've sold it, at the, this contract began trading back in February, or sorry, December of 2017, if you've sold off of that, you're now underwater. Every single contract would be as of the close today. So we're a little bit off the highs, obviously, at 428, but you know, with options expiring on Friday, that's going to bring a lot of sales in. I know folks do you know what they call swaps and different things off of that delivery contract. So I would imagine, uh, you know, look for some shakeout here in the coming weeks. Um, the opportunity there, there being a, a, for prices to run. I think a lot of that could come from Brazil, South America. There's a little bit of a, I guess, a story out there that, you know, the, the crop isn't doing well. It's pretty tough to get to one way or the other about it because the early Brazilian crop is, isn't that important relative to supply. Meaning if we lose 10% of the early crop, you're talking about like 3 million metric tons. Whereas the second crop is going to be a lot bigger in soybeans. So, um, you know, I think that the Argentina and Brazil story is, is one. But careful to bury that crop down there quite yet. Um, so short term here, it's, it's, it's been a really good ride. Corn, I think in the 430s, you know, easy. Uh, beans, $12. Beyond that, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical that we'll hold without uh, follow through from the other markets. 
That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. If you'd like more of John's commentary, sign up for his free newsletter this week in grain. You can find that at danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com is the website to go and find there. But do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Midday. If you missed anything, you can listen on any iTunes or Android device. You can also listen to KRVN.com.